Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, church family. It's good to be back together. Sarah and I have been away this week at uh, the Mennonite Brethren National Congress up in uh, Waterloo for the week, and then we sat in the church for the rest of the week, and we studied hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is the, the science of understanding and interpreting the scripture so that we can preach it today. And it was a great week. Um, but we are tired of sitting in pews, aren't we, Sarah? I'm sorry, I get to stand up today. You have to sit in a pew for another day. So uh, Sarah then spoke at a conference in Toronto on Saturday. And so we, uh, we come to you this morning and we're finishing up our focus on being made for mission. And uh, for those of you who may be joining us, who've missed a couple of Sundays, uh, we've been studying for about a month now, talking about the fact that we are all called and that God has given each of us a purpose. We talked about about what our mission is and how we are called to serve Christ. Last week, we looked at Jesus and Peter. Do you remember last week on the night of his betrayal? What did Jesus do through to the disciples' feet? He washed their beautiful feet. He washed their feet. That was our story last week, our, our scripture that we focused on. So by a show of hands, how many of you know your grandparents' first names? Do you know your grandparents' first names? Not everybody here, but a vast majority. Mine are Stella and Russell Patterson. Uh, how about your great-grandparents' names? Do you know your great-grandparents? One, two... Mine are William George and Emma Jane Atchison, and they're the the ones standing in the back. That's my great-grandparents. And then seated, holding the baby, who's my Uncle Wren, who was my grandma's brother, is my great-great-grandparents. Can you believe that I am from them? John and Mary Reddick is their name. Look at grandma's headwear. She doesn't look very happy. These pictures, this picture was taken, you know, over a hundred years ago. You weren't allowed to smile back in the day. In fact, it was so different. Yeah, it wasn't just a click and shoot. You can see they they probably sat there for a long time for that picture to be taken. Um, So I, I have my family tree going back, back, back to Ireland. We were refugees who came to Canada because there was... A potato famine. So we were, we were hungry. It was in 1840s when um, the parents of uh, my great-great-parents, they came in the 1840s. I remember my Uncle Wren, the baby there, he used to make rope. And I would go to his, his barn and he'd make me rope. Lots of stories about these people. The truth is that we can't remember that many generations back. The truth is that most of us, there won't be a whole lot of people who will remember us in a hundred years. The candle of our lives burn very bright while we're living. But when we go to be with the Lord, our light quickly dims. But there is good news. The good news is that God is calling us to live a bigger life. A life that impacts others. Our life will cease. Our impact with others in the lives of others will continue. Some of us can look back two, three generations and know our families, but I think when we go up to glory and we're with 
we're with Christ and we're with each other, we'll be able to look at the people that we've invested in, generation after generation. I touched this life that touched that life that touched that life. Light was shed from generation to generation. And I helped to spread that light. And I'm only here because someone gave their light to me, the light of Christ to me. So whether you are brand new in faith or you've known Jesus for many years and walked with him for many years, you need to know that God has something bigger in store for you. He is inviting us to change today and the future. Today we're going to study a scene in the life of Peter. He's one of those insert foot into mouth kind of guys. We talked about him last week. Peter knows the wrong thing to say and he will say it. He's always getting into trouble and speaking before thinking. If you've ever done that before, you might be able to relate to him. If you ever make a mistake, Peter's your guy. Katarina, we're praying for you today and for your family. Yeah. Be blessed. Sorry I misbehaved. That's okay. We love you. Thank you. You are nice, and we love you, and we pray for you at the loss of your son. Thank you. So today we're back. Talk, we're just talking about crazy, our, our Peter, who causes all sorts of trouble last week. And then this week, we see him again. But he's not, at this point, he's not causing so much trouble. But he is, he's, he's key to the story. Let's look at Luke 8, 40 to 42. Now, when Jesus returned, so Jesus returning back to shore, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, how old was she? About 12, was dying. So Jairus comes to the beach and meets Jesus with all the other people. His description, Jairus, is a synagogue leader. And I believe that, that was a pretty big deal back in the day. Um, it's in that culture, it was a, a civic leader, almost like a, a city councilor or like a mayor at that time. He oversaw the synagogue and all the people. And so it would have been a very big and important thing for this man to come and meet Jesus. If a synagogue leader were to come in here today, we would, we would treat them with respect, maybe like our, our mayor. If our mayor, we would treat him like everybody else, but we would respect him and we would welcome him here. So I don't know what Jesus was thinking, but I bet the disciples were thinking, this is quite an opportunity. The synagogue leader is coming to Jesus. So let's, what's happened? So the synagogue leader comes to Jesus, says, please come, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is sick. Jesus then heads towards Jairus' house. As Jesus was on his way, this is 8.42, the crowds almost crushed him. There were so many people. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for how many years? Twelve years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Who touched me? Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are all around you. They're pressing, crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet, at Jesus' feet, in the presence of all the people. With all these people around, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is quite a, 
It's quite a movie, isn't it? It's quite a story. It, it's an almost comical scene. All of these massive crowds surrounding Jesus, pressing in to get close to him. He stops in mid-stride as he's walking, surrounded by these people. He says, he says who touched me? And you can imagine Peter, who was right beside him, sort of rolling his eyes, thinking, Jesus, there's like a million people here, and everybody's trying to touch you. What do you mean? Who touched me? It makes no sense. What, what also, keep, keep running with me here, what also makes sense is that Jesus was on his way to heal a daughter, Jairus' daughter, but he stopped. Like, didn't he know this was an emergency? But for some reason, he, he's, he's on his way, he stops. Because there was an opportunity to heal someone. Who touched me? Now, there's a lot of things we can guess about this woman. Um, she's poor. This story is also found in the Gospel of Mark. Mark uh, says that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She is poor, she is sick, she is desperate. She is poor, she is sick, she is desperate. She's also probably been shamed. The religious leaders taught that most of sicknesses were punishment from God. And because of this, people feared and rejected people who were sick. They didn't have antibiotics. They didn't have medical care we had. Sick people were dangerous. And she'd been sick for 12 years. And she had an issue of blood. And we're not exactly sure what that meant, but it can't be good. She was ill. So you can imagine her. She knows that she has to hide because people are afraid of her. She pushes her way through the crowd. And there's all these crowds. She somehow pushes her way through the crowd. And she reaches up and touches the edge of Jesus' robe, his tunic. She, she's relentless in getting to Jesus. And it pays off the second, the second she touches his, the, the edge of his garment. What happens? She's healed. It's an incredible story. This woman had been suffering with his disease for 12 years. Have you suffered with anything for 12 years? I think I might be 12 years into my sore knees. I don't know. Had my heart attack at, how, how long ago was that, Sarah? Eight years ago. So I got four years to go before I can complain about 12 years of being a heart attack victim. She'd prayed God to remove this disease multiple times a day for 12 years. If you walked in here today and you're carrying around with you that constant request for the Lord to heal you, Let's learn a lesson from, from Jesus today. Let's learn a lesson from the woman. Don't give up. Don't go, after 12 years, she hadn't given up. We give up so easily. She didn't give up after 12 years, and she was bold. She, she pushed through the crowds to get to Jesus. Don't give up. Run to Jesus. There's always hope. He can do more in a moment of time than we can do in a lifetime. Let's continue looking at the scripture, Luke 8, 49 now. While Jesus was still speaking, so Jesus has healed a woman who touched me. She tells her story. He's still speaking. Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said to Jairus as she's traveling with Jesus, he says, your daughter's dead, he said, 
don't bother the teacher anymore. Wow. So she died while Jesus was en route. Hearing this, Jesus turned to Jairus and he says, don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll be healed. Interesting. Don't be afraid is the first thing he said. Don't be afraid. Just believe. She will be healed. I wonder if we need to hear those words too. Are those words to you today? Don't be afraid. Just believe. You will be healed. Yeah. When Jesus arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James. We're still reading that Luke 849. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for, for her, for Jairus' daughter. She just died. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. What? You can imagine. What did they do? They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand. My child, get up. Her spirit returned at once, and she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Well, I suspect you wouldn't have to tell too many people too many things, because as soon as the daughter went out the door, that would tell the whole story. So, backing up a little bit, Jesus and the disciples show up at Jairus' place. The daughter is dead. And I can imagine the disciples thinking, if we hadn't stopped and talked to the woman who was bleeding and healed her, we might have made it in time. We, we might have made it, because she died while we were en route. But Jesus says to them, she's only sleeping. So probably out of pain, the parents, her disciples, and the others in the family, they sort of nervously laughed at him. Jesus ignores their lack of faith grabs the girl's hand. And I love, uh, Mark has the Aramaic. Let's, I want you to speak some Aramaic. These are the words of Jesus. Talitha, say with me, Talitha, kum. Talitha, kum. Talitha means little girl. Kum means arise. Talitha, kum. Little girl, arise. Jesus spoke Aramaic to her. Talitha kum, and he raises her from the dead. Little girl, get up. How old was the girl when Jesus healed her? Twelve, when he raised her from the dead. How long had the woman had an issue of blood? Twelve years. Jesus waited twelve years for this day. A twelve-year-old girl and a woman who was ill for twelve years. So I've read these stories before, but to be honest, I think I missed the most impactful part. While Jesus healed the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and raised the, the young girl who was 12 years old, I don't think that I noticed one of the most important parts, and here it is. When Jesus arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not go in. He did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. It's important who Jesus took with him, and the, the focus of today is to bring someone with you. Peter's always doing the wrong thing, always denying Jesus. He denied him three times on the night of his betrayal. 
He jumped out of the boat and swam to shore because he saw Jesus. He tried to walk on water. He started to sink. Is he the kind of guy that you want to take into a room where there's a dying or a dead young girl? I think many of us would say, no, Peter, you stay outside because you're dangerous. Never know what you're going to say. Never know what you're going to do. But Jesus brings the disciples with him on his mission. And God has got us on a mission together. Bring someone with you. As you live on the mission God has given you, don't go alone. Bring someone along for the ride. This may be the single latest, greatest leadership lesson we can learn. We do not live our Christian lives alone. Bring someone with you. Do you know how many times it says that Jesus took his disciples with him? Well, it's throughout the New Testament. He intentionally brought his people, his disciples and others, and usually a crowd of people, many men and many women. It's abundantly clear that Jesus taught us to bring people with us. They lived in community. Here's Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, where you see the words, therefore, go and make disciples, um, the Greek is preothentes, which means as you go. It doesn't say go. It's as you're going, make disciples. As you are going with others, make disciples. So our faith is a journeying faith. Don't start the journey. Your, 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 your journey starts when you're born. As you go, make disciples. As you go through your life, intentionally share Jesus with people and take people with you. Parents, bring your kids with you. I'm so glad that we have the children in service once a month. They are with us and they are important to us. Even though they'd name a fish sushi. We love them. Maybe sometimes we're afraid to bring children into the service. I know sometimes when there's little ones, they make noise. We have, uh, we have some in the crying room even today. I love noise. Noise is life. Children, is, children crying is, 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 is a beautiful sound. I know Phil, Phil talks about that beautiful sound in the middle of the night when it's not quite so beautiful, having his little, his little beautiful baby at home. But in church... Children and the sounds of children and little feet is the sound of life. We are willing to put up with a little noise and a little commotion if it means that a young man and a young woman hear the word of God and feel loved in our community. Amen? Yes. So I'm sorry if there's some noise, but I love that noise. As you serve in ministry, bring someone with you. Would you like to try to be an usher or a greeter? Come along, bring someone with you. Talk to Paul. We're always looking for more for people to share in areas of service. Some are, some are easier areas of service. Some are, some are more difficult. We're just so grateful for our church family and all that you do. With friends and family, bring them with you. Bring them to church. Invite them to birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Bring them, bring them here. Bring them to your home. Invite them to your kids' soccer games. 
I think the reason we normally don't bring someone is probably the same reason that Peter wouldn't have been brought if I had the choice. Because sometimes it's just easier to do things on my own. You never know what someone else is going to do. You never know whether Peter's going to jump out of the boat or whether, remember last week when Jesus said, let me wash your feet, and what did Peter say? Not just my feet, wash all of me. And she, I mean, he's, he's wonderful. But he's dangerous. He's dangerous. Jesus teaches us, just bring people with you. It was uh, a couple Sundays ago that uh, Linda brought her grandson, Sebastian. Where is Linda? There you are in the back there. You brought that beautiful boy to church with you. Now, Sebastian is a lovely boy, and he can talk. He's one of those little boys who, when he starts talking, he doesn't stop until the batteries wear out. He's a handful. He's a handful and a wonderful handful, and we love him. And he went home telling people, you know, you have to put on the armor of God. And he hasn't come to church much, and I'm glad that you brought him. Don't be afraid to bring kids who don't know anything. Kids in Canada, in general, these days, they don't know our biblical stories. They don't know much. You talk about the armor of God, well, kids love that stuff. And Sebastian, in particular, he loves that stuff. So, continuing with our story. So what happens to Peter? Peter was there when the baby, when the young girl is raised. Jesus can raise the dead. He saw it with his own eyes. What would have happened if Jesus didn't bring him? What, if, what would have happened if Peter hadn't seen it? Because when you see something, you believe it, and you might even try to do it yourself. Let's finish with Acts 9, 36 there. Can we throw that out? I think we have that, David, Acts 9, 36 to 42. There we go. Let me read this quickly. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. I'm sure you know this story. She was always doing good. This dear sister was always helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, so right on the coast there. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once, because Tabitha had died. Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs. To the room where her body was laid, all the windows, uh, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. She was a wonderful woman who, who made cloth, and she was so giving and caring. Peter sent them all from the room. Remember, this is Peter, not Jesus. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, kum. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed the Lord. Do you see the similarities? Peter saw it, and he had the courage to do it. Peter was with Jesus. He traveled with him and he learned and he tried. Peter heals Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, in the same way that Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. Many people came to believe in Jesus all throughout that region because of what Peter did. Can you connect the dots? 
between Jesus and the Jairus, Jairus' daughter healing and Peter healing Dorcas? It's not hard to follow those dots. We have no idea what God wants to do with us. But he will do great things as he's showing us how to live through Jesus. He's calling us on a mission. Who will you bring with you? Who in your life does not know Jesus, but you desperately want them to know him? And you want to bring them to Jesus? Don't give up. Today is the day to tell them to come with you. They may laugh, but don't worry. You're in good company. On your bulletin today, I wrote a little something on the back. You see the word yes? Take out your bulletin just for a second. You see this word yes. We are saying yes, I will not give up. I will ask, I will pray, I will bring the people I love to you, Jesus. As we approach communion, once again we say yes to Jesus, to his body, his blood, to his love, and to his forgiveness. I'd like you to sign this and keep this. If you have a pen here, I've already signed mine. I say yes to Jesus again today. I would love you to say yes. Do not give up. Particularly for the people you love in your family and your community, you are saying yes. I will show God's love to them. I will not give up. I will say yes. Bring someone with you. I will bring the people I love to Christ. I may, I don't know what words I will use or whether I will use words at all, but I will show them the love of God. And I will show them as he has shown me through sacrifice, through obedience, through love. As we approach communion, once again, we say yes to Jesus, to his body, to his blood, to his love and his forgiveness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we say yes. Father, help us to be like the woman who boldly touched the edge of your clothing. Father, help us to be bold, to never give up. She struggled for 12 years, and Father, some of us have struggled for a long time too. Father, help us not to give up. You will heal us. And help us, Father, not to give us. You will reach through us, through your family of faith. You will reach our sons and daughters our neighbors, our co-workers, through us. Give us the words. Give us courage, we pray. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.